Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we have a recap of the United States Women's National Team victory over Mexico to close out their group stage 1-0, USA advancing out of the group as the number one team out of Group A. We've got a lot to get through in between the lines here. But uh, but first, a quick reminder, uh, we are nominated for the Best Female Host of Podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. And we appreciate everything you all do for us, joining us on these lives, listening to the podcast, watching us as video, uh, reading the work, all of it. So if you've enjoyed the work that we do enough to go ahead and nominate us to advance it to the final round, to nominate Attacking Third, you can uh, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Then toggle down to the female host of podcast category, and the whole process takes about 60 seconds. And if you are watching us live on YouTube, we've included a link at the top of the episode description, a little QR code uh, up there. You can go ahead and scan that if you'd like to use that to vote as well. So go ahead and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Attacking Third. We're available as video. Subscribe at youtube.com slash Attacking Third for previews, recaps, and exclusive interviews. And of course, whenever we go live... Because, Lisa, we're live, baby. We got to talk about it. USA versus Mexico. We are live. We're here to talk about it. Um, this was the, probably the most anticipated game of this Group A, um, of the group stages, right? Even when you look at Group B uh, with Canada and Panama and Costa Rica, Trinidad and Tobago, this was the most anticipated game. The United States versus Mexico. Um, I'm, I, I don't think it really lived up to the hype. To be honest, how are you feeling? Tired, bored, yeah. <laughs> ready to go to go to bed. But honestly, you know, this is the job, and we got to talk about it. That's part of what we got to talk about. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, I um, <laughs> you know, Twitter is a place where everybody puts their goofy takes, right? And everybody wants to be correct on that platform, the worst platform in the world. But uh, you know, I think I had I, I made a comparison of not just this match, but I think even like just sort of thinking back to like how this entire thing has gone. And I, I said something along the lines of like comparing it to like a concert. Like even if you go to like a fest and like you're all like hyped for the the headliner, but like this headliner doesn't, the band doesn't open or close like with their like most notorious banger, but they actually kind of like throw it in the middle of a random playlist set. 
Yeah. And it's more transitional moment. And like at the end, your whole friend group's like, wow, like, wasn't that amazing? And you're just sitting there like, yeah, like, I, I guess that was fine. You know? And I just, uh, I think you hit it right on the head, Lisa, where we're talking about like this game leading up even into this whole tournament was the game that I think people had circled that like even everyone really excited about. Everyone had it circled, Sandra, whether it's media personnel, whether it's fans, whether it's players yeah. on either of these teams, everyone had it circled. Yeah. And like just sort of looking at, I think not just the build up to this tournament, but then the, the build up to this game specifically, mm-hmm. I think a lot of some of those storylines around it have had sort of just sort of, floated out of the window because both of these teams were in two completely different positions heading into this final match day. We're talking the United States had already clinched their spot in the 2023 world cup. And they did it in like a match day and a half. Mm -hmm. And you had Mexico uh, just sort of underperforming this entire tournament. And then leading up to this final match day, there was still that, whole concept of hey there's there's still some there's technicalities right like technically they can still try to make an effort to go and and find a path find a way to qualify for the world cups but there's still that layer of like this is a really really tough tough scenario and too almost too many things had to come into play in order for that to happen and yet we saw Mexico put together probably one of their better games of this entire tournament, their best, quite frankly, uh, saving it for the last one. And it just had the energy of too little too late. And for the United States side, I don't really think there was anything that was learned for this team as they go into uh, into the knockout rounds now. That's such a good point to make that nothing was made. And so much of this CONCACAF W championship from the eyes of American supporters and Black Wondonofsky was what can we learn from these players? Who can we get minutes? How do we see how they work together? Um, and nothing was learned at the end of this match. And uh, it's truly disappointing to see. So the United States end up winning this 1-0. I don't even know if we said that yet on here because we're just so like flabbergasted. <laughs> the United States win this match over Mexico 1-0. It's a goal that comes in the 89th minute. Christy Mewis gets awarded with it. And it, it wasn't even that great of a goal. It was a very scrappy goal. Um, Emily Sonnet potentially even offside on this goal, how it happened and how it came about. And, and this is obviously at the very end of the game. But I think that Emily Sonnet was offside. I was listening to Christina Uncle, hearing her talk about it. VAR is at the tournament for the very first time, which is huge. But there's no lines in the VAR. So uh, when they look, when they pull it up to look at the offside, there's no line drawn on the screen on the field to visually show you if a player is on or off. And it's very, very hard to see. And because there's no concrete proof or it's very obvious – VAR cannot turn this over. So it ends up sticking to be a goal. It was a, it was a quick corner and it goes into it. Um, I do have it. Here we go. So I can pull it up for everyone. So very quick corner. It comes in, it gets bounced around. And as this happened, Christine Mewis ends up running through the ball and getting this goal. It was incredibly scrappy. I think that this goal is very telling of how the entire game was incredible. Your take is that it it was offside. Oh Yeah. 
I mean, right. it was I just it. Want to really clarify here. I just want to clarify. I think that Emily Sonnet was way too close for comfort on this one to okay. be on side. But now I understand the rules of VAR and the rules of the game. It's called it's deemed a goal on the field. And so to overturn it as a goal is incredibly difficult to do. You need concrete yeah. proof of what's happening. Oh, yeah. And this is where it is. You can see in the line, um, this is what they're talking about. And and Christina Uncle talked about if it was number 14 for Mexico, who is on the farther side of the six-yard box, or 22, who is in the center of the six-yard box between Mewis and Sonnet, which one it would be keeping them off. And she actually said 14, the one on the farther side of the six-yard box. That player's left leg could be the one keeping Sonnet on. It's hard to tell, right? Like we're at an elevated angle. We're not in line with these players, but at a quick glance, uh, it looks like Sonnet is off and it's hard to overturn that goal in this type of game and they don't end up doing it. But I think the scrappy goal of this, the confusion of this goal, the great save from Mexico is pretty telling of, of, the entire game because this is like kind of how the whole game was. It was like pretty scrappy and back and forth and nothing great and concrete. Like Sonnet didn't get a great head of this ball as it came in. It almost like trickled off her head and then Mewis running through it. It wasn't a great slice by her either. It was, it's just tricky to talk about, but the U S I I like it. I I respect it. I, I think it's, it's fair to talk about. I mean, they did end up looking at it you know, yeah. in, in game. So it's something that we got to chat about. And we're, we're, you know, again, just thank you everybody for joining us. We're, you're getting the, the takes from us early in this one. I like the energy, but I think we need to maybe try to go in order a little bit here. Yeah. Because we're talking about the buildup to this moment, the buildup to this 89th minute out of nowhere sort of goal for the United States women's national team. And we talk about the buildup into this goal. You and I joined uh, you know, the studio show to sort of give our quick, you know, pre-game reactions to, to both. Tough. tough. If um, anyone here, Sandra, can you give us tough again? It's still tough. Lisa, it's still too ugly for feedback. I, 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 I'm still sitting here not knowing if I can give it to the people. Uh, but I think maybe on the U in the United States side of things, we, we start there because I think mm-hmm. when I go back to our, our preview, a little bit of this game and we talked about the, it being the final uh, group match. We talked about Adonofsky and the coaching staff and perhaps what we would see from the starting 11. And naturally we saw shout out to Maximo. It is tough. Uh, we did see rotation in this one. And one of the things that, you know, you brought up for us specifically in this preview was that goalkeeper position. So maybe let's start with this starting 11 and a little bit of the news that maybe helps shape this starting 11 because similarly to the roster being named for this tournament, things like maternity leave and injury helping shape the roster going in, we've got some things, some player adjustments that were made due to injury and COVID protocol that perhaps shaped the the, uh, the final starting 11 in this match. So ahead of this game, uh, Emily Fox is, is placed uh, as, as someone who's unavailable for this match because she's out under COVID protocol at the moment. And then there was also the news of Ashley Hatch uh, ultimately being pulled from the tournament due to an, uh, an injury to her back, suffering a back strain uh, through the competition. So unavailable moving forward. And Sam Coffey has been brought in to sort of close out the remainder of these, these games with the United States women's national team. So we get that news drop. We get this adjacent, like in line with the drop of the starting 11, Lisa, and yeah. we see 
Casey Murphy, and Meg. Kelly O'Hara, Sarah Brun, Noemi Girma, Sonnet Sullivan, Haran, Sanchez Smith, Alex Morgan, and Margaret Purse lining up in this one. Was there anything that sort of stood out for you or, or shocked you or or didn't shock you as you saw this 11 drop? So you're asking specifically about the 11, because as you said, the, all of this news dropped at the exact same time. Yeah. So um, looking at it, the news first, Ashley Hatch being out, des- devastating, right? Like this was a huge moment for this type of player. Um, losing Fox for this game due to COVID protocol, I, I wasn't too concerned about that. I, I think that that kind of goes into play with the looking at the starting lineup for me, though. Um, Black Wendonofsky bringing Sam Coffey in, I'm very excited about that. Huge props to Sam Coffey, Portland Thorns midfielder. This is well-deserved for her, and we need someone else at the six. Um, but when then, then looking at this starting lineup, knowing that Emily Fox is out, that makes more sense as to why Sonnet was going to get the start, frankly, to me. Because Emily Fox had that position locked down. And although Black Wendonofsky could have player rotation in that left back role, which is needed, right? God forbid there's an injury or a COVID protocol. You need other players that can slot into that role seamlessly. But Fox, that was her role. And that was where she was going to start. And perhaps if Fox did get the start in that left back role, it would have been a different game because Fox plays incredibly different than Emily Sonnet, than even Kelly O'Hara, because Fox is just attacking the the sidelines constantly. She is getting into the attacking end. She's combining more with Sophia Smith. They would have both been on that left side. So initially having um, Sonnet not or starting in that role instead of Emily Fox was the biggest thing for me. Um, we did talk about the goalkeepers a little bit and Casey Murphy and Alyssa Nair. I'm, uh, I think we decided if I remember correctly that Alyssa Nair was going to start. I kind of thought that like she'd get back on that, but I'm happy with Murphy getting the start. I think it's really a toss up between those two at this point. And maybe it comes down to how the player's feeling and how they did training wise the day before. Um, but Sauerbrunn, Sauerbrunn, Gurma in the back line, Sullivan Haran, um, pretty happy with all of that. Knowing that Hatch wasn't there, good to see Morgan get the start. Um, and I was actually happy to see Margaret Purse, Minch Purse, get the start in the front line because I think she had a very good game the last time the U.S. went out against Jamaica. Um, she she came in off the bench and and had a huge spark to the game and added so much to it. And at this in the first forty five, I think Margaret Purse did so much for this side for this U.S. side. But Emily Sonnet getting the start was huge for me. And then understanding that Fox couldn't be there is almost like a qualifier for it. Yeah. For me, when I was looking at it, I was like, maybe this is a mix. It's we're still seeing this. We're seeing a mix of things here in this starting 11. There's, you know, knowing that you have some players unavailable and you're going to make some adjustments positionally in those areas, but we're talking about an outside back and we're talking about a center striker essentially in in fox and in hatch so we see the return of andy sullivan on the pitch in this one we see casey murphy uh, getting a start in that so i i it was a little curious for me quite frankly uh do i think that murphy is someone who was going to be fine in a game like this yes and ultimately yeah that ends up being the case but there's still that sort of thing I think at the back of everyone's mind where it's like you know this is a major international tournament with with many important things at stake and there's a coaching staff that is still sort of preaching the narrative of we got to get players experience and time and 
apparently you do that during a high stakes environment. And uh, we're all going through it together, even as, as those of us who are watching it and sort of uh, being tasked to, to cover it uh, as well. So there was a there was a moment where I was kind of looking at, at the 11 drop and I said, OK, I said, this is going to be fine. This is fine. They're going to go ahead and perform well. These are all players who are capable. But I was also kind of like, OK, like there's still definitely some interesting energy here. I was excited to see uh, Naomi Girma get the start yeah. again. I think she's been through great, uh, you know, in her time in this competition. So great to see her, see her get a second consecutive start. Was a little surprised at, at sign, you know, getting out there. As a, but again, this is, a, this is, I think, more fulfilling, um, you know, out of necessity, you know, being kind of a move like this is sort of forcing the coach's hand when you have a player who's out, uh, you know, in, in COVID, under COVID protocol. And I was also excited to see uh, Ashley Sanchez, you know, out yeah. there more uh, because this is a player that, I, I really did want to see during this tournament specifically and uh, wanted to see what she would look like maybe against a team specifically like Mexico where perhaps there would be some a little bit of challenges in that middle third because, you know, Mexico tends to be kind of uh, – they could go toe-to-toe -to -toe sometimes with the with the middle third at times. So I was like, let's, let's see what this yeah. looks like in this game. And honestly, Lisa, we got to talk about this first half because it, close, it closes out scoreless. This yeah. – Mexico, I guess, small victories, right? I guess if you're looking at, at Mexico's side of the ball, uh, they succeeded in finally not conceding to, from the opposition in under 10 minutes. Uh, so bravo, like congratulations uh, to them. So they tasked, yeah. I guess, themselves with that. And they were able to keep the United States uh, off the scoreboard for not just the first opening 15 to 20 minutes, but through, throughout the duration of the first half and a couple of looks for the United States, but I wouldn't say anything that was, that felt like the game was getting out of control for Mexico. No. And I think when you talk about this first half and specifically the first 10, 15 minutes, um, a, a lot of teams go in, right? Any player or team goes in and says, hey, the first five, 10 minutes after a whistle are the most crucial moments of a game. But specifically, when you look at how Mexico has done throughout this W championship, that's when they've conceded against Jamaica. Bunny Shaw scored in the eighth minute or so. And then against Haiti, they scored in the opening 15 minutes against Mexico. So for, for Mexico, it was even more crucial that they – held the scoreline to zero in those first 10, 15 minutes. Because once those floodgates open, we saw it happen to Mexico against Haiti. Uh, they get so much self-doubt. They come in on themselves and they cannot bounce back from that. And then going up against a team like the United States, that gives them uh, the next step to get the second goal, right? All it takes is one. So for the to start this match, 0-0 zero, zero for the, for Mexico, frankly, was huge for them. I thought they did a really nice job defensively. But throughout this first half, it, there really weren't that many opportunities. It was sloppy. It was a lot of back and forth. I think um, Mexican goalkeeper did a fantastic job. Gonzalez just coming up huge with so many saves. It, Mexico was very organized defensively. And um, I think the center back duo definitely helped them in, in order to get that like rhythm down and have that organization. The best chance came from Midge Purse. She got a, a chipped in ball from Kelly O'Hara, who was actually playing on the left back role, right? We saw Sonnet on the right, 
Kelly O'Hara on the left. They ended up switching again throughout the middle of the half. There was like a lot of tactical movements happening with the United States back line. Becky Sauerbronn was on the left side in the center back and Germa on the right. Uh, Germa usually plays on the left with her club team and, and with Alana Cook last game, Germa on the left. So there was like different tactics that I was looking at in, in the personnel but then also how they were setting up on the field. But the best chance came from Margaret Purse in this first half. It was a long ball lofted over the top by Kelly O'Hara, who had cut into her right foot from the left side of the field, lofted it over the top. Purse gets an opportunity and just goes off the post. Yeah. Like a hair. I loved the I loved the I loved the decision making though. Like you're getting in that moment. Take, you know, and hey, take the shot versus sure. saying, like, let me try to make the pass and going far post, right? Smart, like it was a great shot, and that's what Chris does. Like those are the moments that she can capitalize in, and 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 frankly, she was all over the pitch. She got the ball and so many different times, and she was just attacking the flank. She was being creative on the ball, and and then she didn't have much support. So it was Purse doing so much of the individual work one on one with her defender winning that battle, but then she needed help. She needed someone to pass it to. She needed runners in the box. She needed that next step. And that's what the United States did not have, especially throughout this first 45. Yeah. I thought for a second there, it was like, they were going to get that, they were going to break through. Like it was going to be part of Mexico's story, you know, a continued story for them this year. Like, okay, they're conceding at a certain point in the first half and, and here, here we go again, but they get a little bit of luck on their side, perhaps the home crowd energy manifesting a post shot, you know, Lindsay Horan, being fed by purse into some wide open space and then just shooting directly, you know, to Gonzalez. So uh, really just closing out that half scoreless with just two attempts uh, on target, the two that we just, just referenced essentially. And uh, despite having all the time on the ball, having the possession, uh, not to like, again, just not a lot of moments that maybe tested uh, that shape that, that Mexico was presenting to the United States. We're talking five total shots compared to three from, from Mexico, but two on target, just really the difference in this first half for the United States. And it just, it it was another game where I was a little curious (laughs) if we were going to see the typical Adonofsky coaching staff, uh, you know, halftime substitutions. But I, I, I just sort of also felt like, you know, perhaps with this game, Right now at halftime being stuck 0-0, maybe this is the game where they don't do that, where they try to give this particular starting 11 an opportunity to try and go a little bit more in the second half. And ultimately, that's what they did. Not what I wanted. I wanted change at the halftime. We've seen it so much from Flacco Andonofsky that he rotates so many and – I, I don't I understand where he why he didn't right uh, you're breaking down this Mexican side you're nil nil at the half um, what are they going to do what changes are they going to make so if you can keep a little bit of consistency you've talked to your players and you've reflected on the first 45 and now you've come in with a game plan as to how to uh, tackle the next 45 so there was no changes made but I wanted I wanted a change made frankly I wanted Rose Lavelle in that midfield perhaps for a Lindsay Horan who um looked a little bit hurt throughout parts of this match. She wasn't attacking as much as she could have. And Ashley Sanchez wasn't as lethal in that role as we've seen her be in the past. And maybe it was because of the partnership between Sullivan, Haran, and and 
Sanchez, but that those three weren't working together well, uh, in my opinion, throughout that first 45. So I wanted to see Rose Lavelle come in, perhaps for Lindsay Horan, and then see how Sullivan, Sanchez, and Horan work together because uh, Rose or Lin, um, Rose Lavelle, excuse me, because Lavelle can play those slip passes through. She has such great vision of that, and she'll push up a little higher. And then Lavelle with Sanchez, I love that combination. But ultimately, there were no changes made at the half, um, and that did not happen from Blackland and Offsky side. Not until the 60th minute, late in yes. the we see change. I was like, okay, well, I, I was like, not right at the half, so maybe we were going to see something during the hour mark uh, for for this U.S. Women's National Team signing. That's ultimately what happened, but it wasn't just it wasn't just the energy. There was like a massive personnel change. I was like, oh, okay, so we're just bringing in a handful of players uh, during this hour mark. And quite frankly, with the tempo of this game right now and Mexico themselves still not on the board, yeah. knowing that this was a must-win scenario for them and not just any must-win, they had to get – a, a certain type of scoreline. Haiti had to be losing by a certain amount of goals, and and that sort of was happening at the at the moment in time. And I just was like, okay, if you're even if this is appearing or giving the aura or a feeling of perhaps Mexico's best game and maybe the United States not so best game of the tournament, there was still this energy of like you're bringing in all of these these handful of players, and you're like, well, this is certainly going to end in heartbreak for Mexico. Uh, are you kidding me? You're just, you're bringing in a, like a Lavelle, you're bringing in, uh, yeah. you know, Megan Rapino, someone who's not unfamiliar with being on the winning side against Mexico. I was just, I was just like, you're setting it up. Like this is just setting it up to be uh, an even potentially bigger heartbreak, I think for, for the, for the Mexican side, but Mexico, I, I think to their credit was also sort of taking note of the tempo of the game and the moment of the match and you know they were also making some some substitutions of their own to try to open things up a bit and try to perhaps make something happen on their side of things they bring in uh Jackie Ovaya into the match and bringing out Carolina Jaramillo and bringing on Diana Ordonez bringing out Alicia Cervantes you know trying for, to perhaps get a little bit of some different offensive looks on on their end but unfortunately I think this is the the moment in which we could chat a little bit about the game shifting a bit uh, and I don't know if we can necessarily say it shifts in the United States favor because there's a moment where there's a very very tough tackle studs on ankle tackle by Ovai on Lavelle this is a moment in which VAR comes into play as well uh, it was a tough tough moment Again, it's a moment where we got multiple angles of it. It did not look pretty. I said, well, that's a certain amount of crunch uh, that took place there. And uh, ultimately, the play was being reviewed for a red card because of the type of foul that it was. So after confirmation, you could see the official here, if you're joining us on the live, confirming on VAR that there was enough there to – absolutely issue Ovaya a red. You could see uh, the frustration and shock by Ovaya, who's saying, you know, by, by my lip reach, she's saying, primera vez, it's, it's the first one, it's the first foul that she got yeah, in the game. Him, you know, how can it be? It's the type, it's the type of foul that it is. It's a studs, uh, you know, direct studs into the challenge and uh, body language there also on the sideline from Vergara. You just Oof. know it's not, 
It's a, it's a position that Mexico does not want to be in. You're in a must-win situation with only about 15 minutes left in the match, and you go down to 10 players in this game, which it, is still scoreless at the time. It is, it is still scoreless at the time. I think that is so crucial to talk about because – and you just mentioned the subs. Orvale came on in the 61st minute, and this red card happens uh, around the 70th minute or so. Mm-hmm. So it just – heartbreaking for Mexico in this moment. And you can see the frustration on her face and and the tears that she's holding back. Um, But this is a red card based on everything that Christina uncle has explained to us. And she's taught me so much. It's fantastic because the way that uh, the studs come in on the ankle versus the top of the cleat, if it was the top of the cleat probably would have stayed a yellow card, but because the studs come in on the ankle higher up on Lavelle's foot, it's an automatic red card and she is out of this game. So now Mexico's down, and this is an opportunity for the United States. Mexico ends up making a few more substitution, get some fresh legs on there, but ultimately I, I you talked about it potentially not shifting in the United States' favor. I don't really think it did. If anything, it changed the game because of formationally, and now the United States had to figure out how they were going to attack this new um, Mexico side that was sitting back a little bit more, right? Because they they only had nine field players, so they had to sit back and, and push less players higher. And it just created different space on the field. And it took the United States too long to figure out where that space was. Frankly, they didn't really figure out where it was. They they couldn't they couldn't move around Mexico throughout this game. Mexico was there in their way, blocking them and putting up a great fight. Um, it, but like, I wanted more from the U S that we've seen the U S do this where they pass and they connect, but it was the problem solving of the players on the pitch. That wasn't, wasn't good enough, frankly, from the United States side. And that's one thing that black one has talked about. He wants these players to problem solve on the pitch, do it themselves and figure it out. But at what point do you have to change up the lineup and change out the players and give them direction or tell them, um, what's not working. And, and I don't know, because that did not happen. It did not happen. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a tough moment to sort of go back and look, I think you see Mexico to go down 10 players. And I, and I mentioned about seeing a shift in the game, but we mentioned this and talked about it. Even we were recapping NWSL games. We were talking about Angel City, San Diego and how going down a player can sort of impact a game. But even for the team that is down, the player and you almost sort of see a a surge a little bit from from Mexico during sure. time uh, as well and I think that's the moment in which we have to give some attention to and we'll talk about that a little bit more how this game continued to close out we are going to take a quick break and be able to break the rest of this game down and more for you uh, and we'll be right back Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 
800-227-4603 for complete details. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For those of you joining us on the live here on YouTube, make sure you tune in to Paramount Plus and watch The Only. It's going to be debuting very, very soon on July the 12th. Uh, make sure you take a look at it, uh, the story of Brandon Scurry. It's fantastic. Uh, the trailer always gives me chills every time we, we play it. And it was really great to chat a little bit with Scurry uh, out in LA during our live show about it. So uh, tune in to Paramount Plus if you get a chance to go ahead and take a look at that. Got to close this game out though, Lisa, because it closes out with a win. It felt like it was going to end a certain type of way. Kind of had a draw written on it perhaps, but the United States had other ideas. And uh, I want to maybe for people who are joining us now, after the break that we took, uh, we got a few more adjustments that were made for the United States. They uh, started to shift things back, take back the momentum a little bit. We started to see the team pin Mexico in their half a little bit, win a couple of corner kicks as well, bringing on Taylor Korniak in the 79th minute. And I thought, well, that's actually a really smart move. Mm-hmm. Going to be getting these set piece opportunities, why not sub on your tallest player available? So I thought for a second, Lisa, that there was going to be this eventual goal, but perhaps it was going to come, you know, directly off of one of these in swingers off of of the corner, but that that's not how it happened. One more time for the folks who are just joining us after the break. Let's maybe take a look at the final game winner here for the United States women's national team. Got Christy Mewis, another sub in this match, Huge. breaking through in the 89th minute. And it was this was not the type of goal that was, you know, that we've seen from the team in this tournament. This was not some type of sweet clinical finish. It was absolutely a little bit of chaos generated and, and bodies kind of flying and connecting in the right spot in the right time. But sometimes that's soccer, baby. And 1-0 to the United States in the 89th minute of this match. Just as the time clicks, it says eight minutes of stoppage time were also going to be added to this match, but not for nothing. This game ends 1-0. And on the other side of things, Jamaica defeats Haiti, and we have the two teams on top of Group A, United States number one and Jamaica number two, closing out Group A play. What a time for CONCACAF W Championship. Seriously, what a time is so right. Um, but the, the U.S. 
coming down to the wire and getting this goal in the 89th minute and a sloppy goal at that, a quick corner kick taken by Rapino and, and Mewis ends up getting the goal who subbed on for Andy Sullivan. I think the, the substitutes um, that the United States had that came around the 60th minute are important to take a note out. I'm just going to list them off because um, not entirely sure if they were supposed to all come at the same time, but that's when the ball went out and the whistle was blown and all these players were at the, at the the sideline ready to come in. Sofia Huerta in for Kelly O'Hara, Megan Rapino in for Sophia Smith, um, Rose Lavelle in for Lindsay Horan and Christy Mewis in for Andy Sullivan. So we did get to see Mewis in that defensive six role and immediately after U.S. is subbed on and this slew of substitutes comes on, this line change essentially for the U.S., the, Mexico has an incredible attack and U.S. is put to her defensive test right away. But um, she ends up getting the game winner and the difference maker for this United States side in the 89th minute to end this game out and then eight minutes of stoppage time. Eight minutes is a very long time, but I think it was well-deserved, especially because this stoppage time came – in the minutes that they were looking at um, the the VAR and if the goal was offside. And, and also the red card came in the second half as well. And that took up a lot of time as well. So I think eight minutes was well-deserved at the end of this one um, by the center official to give it out. But ultimately they, the U S I'm not sure if they're so happy with this win. And I mean, they're happy with the win and they're happy with the clean sheet, but are they happy with how they got there? Did, did black learn about anything about his defensive backs that he put in there? Um, maybe that he needs Emily Fox in that backside to, to put so much pressure in. And if that he had the balance between a Kelly O'Hara and maybe someone like a Sofia Huerta in those outside backs, Kelly O'Hara, who tends uh, to cut inside a little bit more and Huerta who stays further pulled outside and getting up those flanks, would that have been a difference throughout this first 45, the first 80 minutes of this game, because those outside backs would have been more influential in the attack than someone like a Sonnet or O'Hara wasn't. Um, so I'm not, I don't think that they're so pleased with how this, group ended in, in terms of the play on the pitch and, and everything before that 89th minute goal that came to it. I think there's still a lot of question marks as to what this team is going to look like moving forward. And it's a very, it's a very quick turnaround because now the U S is out of the group stages and it is do or die. They've got to keep winning. They, their, their goals are win group qualify for the world cup check win group a check they did that now can they win CONCACAF W championship qualify for the olympics in 2024 and it it's not going to be easy from here on out because there's still a lot of question marks surrounding this team yeah that's the look ahead now so now the focus is going to be on the olympics focus is going to be on nabbing that spot in the gold cup in 2024 semifinals are going to break down as follows it's going to be jamaica against canada and the United States against Costa Rica. Last time, funnily enough, the United States go up against Costa Rica was during the Olympic qualifying in 2020, where they defeated Las Ticas 6-0, We're also in a group with Haiti, uh, who also picked up three points during that time. Maybe the foreshadowing was, was written uh, in, in the stars, right? Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see how things will play out. Uh, I think on paper... Folks are gearing up for the potential for another showdown in the final between Canada and the United States. But first, 
got to get through these first part of the knockout rounds with the semifinals. So we'll see. That's going to be taking place Thursday, July 14th, United States versus Costa Rica. And then you could catch Jamaica and Canada as well. Uh, different kickoff times, so everybody can be able to tune in to, to both. I believe one is going to be at 7 p.m. and one is going to be at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. So it'll uh, be an exciting time. We'll see if there's uh, some surprises in those final four there. But the winners of the semifinals will obviously compete against each other in the championship final for a spot in the Olympics, for a spot in the Gold Cup, and then the loser of the championship final and the third place winner of the CONCACAF W championship will meet at a later date for the second and final spot in the Olympics and for a spot in the gold cup as well. So still some things on the line here moving forward, Lisa. Plenty of things on the line and, and a lot to learn and a lot to take from this. And um, there's, uh, we have to remember the news that dropped, right? So no more Ashley Hatch. Uh, Sam Coffey comes in. I think it's definitely not a like for like (laughs) substitution there and rotation there. Uh, Ashley Hatch being that striker, that number nine that was competing for a spot along with Alex Morgan. And Sam Coffey is a defensive midi who can also play attacking midfielder. That's where she played throughout her college days at Penn State. And um, I think that that's something that they have to look forward to, that anything can happen for the United States, for any of these players, whether it's red cards or injuries or COVID protocol or anything, frankly, and people need to be ready to step up. And I think Black Wendonofsky needs to have a plan going into this next stage of the CONCACAF W championship and seeing hopefully a little bit more consistency in at least the back four. Um, I know sometimes it's hard with COVID protocol and anything like that, but in terms of that back line, I think it needs to start being consistent, especially the two center backs, um, whether it's Gurma, Sauerbrunn, or Cook. There needs to be a little bit more consistency there moving forward so these players can get into a rhythm um, going up against these different nations that provide very different challenges to them. We'll see. There's still uh, there's still some time left. We might still see some more rotation in this in this tournament, Lisa. I don't know. I'm not going to be surprised by anything anymore, quite frankly, uh, in this type of, of tournament moving forward. But uh, before we close out, I also want to say, you know, congratulations to, to Haiti. Congratulations are in order for for Panama as well. You know, there's there's the opportunity for there to be even more Concacaf teams represented. In the 2023 World Cup, there is an uh, inter-confederation playoff, play-in, I should say, uh, for multiple teams to go up and sort of clinch a final spot or two in the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. And it looks like it's going to be Panama and it looks like it's going to be Haiti who are going to be representing CONCACAF in that as well. So uh, keep your CONCACAF hats on. Yeah. Both of them have the potential that the 10 team intercontinental tournament happens in New Zealand and three teams from that tournament uh, go through. So it could be two CONCACAF nations, um, but not yet. We're not there yet, but yeah, keep your CONCACAF hat on. I like that. Yeah. Keep, keep your CONCACAF hat on. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it could still be, could still be more teams uh, representing. So it's something that we'll keep an eye on for sure. Uh, what this means for, you know, for programs like Trinidad, Tobago program, like, like Mexico, uh, we'll see. It's unfortunate. It's another competition in which these two uh, nations find themselves competing in, but not being able to get the job done, quite frankly. Um, and we'll have to keep an eye on these programs and see what happens for 
for their respective players, for their respective coaching staffs, to sort of see what happens um, in the future. Monica Vergara in this in summer postgame, not talking like a coach who's going to lose her job. It's kind of interesting for me as someone who has an interest in the women's Mexican national team. Um, still talking about how this is a learning process and the team has to uh, grow from here. So uh, we'll we'll see. It's it's something to to pay attention to for sure in the future as as uh, the Concacaf region continues to to grow. But uh, for now, United States women's national team, World Cup spot clinched, spot in the semifinal clinched, and eyes on the Olympics and a gold cup spot. Of course, we're going to be continuing our coverage of the CONCACAF W Championship for everybody. So make sure you tune in to all of the content that we're rolling out for you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us here on Attacking Third. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, we just want to let you know that we're nominated for the Best Female Hosted Podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate you all being here with us and, and supporting us. So if you do enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round, go ahead and do that. Nominate Attacking Third. Go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the female hosted podcast category, and you can go ahead and select attacking third. Whole process takes about a minute. We've also included the link at the top of the episode description and a QR code uh, if you're watching this as video. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at attacking third. We're available as video. Subscribe at YouTube.com/slash attacking third. And of course, Lisa and I will be back covering the Concacaf W Championship in depth, all tournament long with in-depth previews and live United States Women's National Team recaps. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.